welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network, and what a time to be patriotic, July 4th. As I record this, it is the 4th of July. We hope you and yours uh, had a great weekend, an extended weekend for a lot of us, especially those of us in the public sector. And we love our country. Those of us who uh, love the Constitution, love the freedoms America uh, we enjoy in this country. Of course, we know that many people had to fight and die for these freedoms. And we can't overstate that. I mean, yes, we celebrate the country. It's not just what we celebrate, but who we celebrate. And we, we, we have to tip our hats to the people who gave their lives for this country and who continue to give their lives for this country. It is, it is you know, a great country. I heard Alan Dershowitz, a lifelong Democrat, and of course, a Harvard professor, a brilliant legal mind is uh, Dershowitz. I heard him on WABC, I think Friday on the way home from work, and he was talking about what his plans were for the weekend. And, and just the way he said, you know, this is a, it's a, it's a wonderful country. I love it. And he was sincere. Here's a guy, you know, he's a lifelong liberal. Liberals can be patriotic. I don't mean to sound like, you know, if you're not a Trumper, you're you're unpatriotic. But just the way he said, I love this country. It's a great country. And it is. And Dershowitz said, look, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I didn't vote for him in 2020. And I probably won't vote for him in 24 if he gets a nomination. But he does not like what's going on to the former president. He doesn't appreciate the, the FBI and the Justice Department being weaponized against Biden's chief rival in the 24 election. That's just, it's obvious what's going on. But anyway, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. We all know about what's happening in Washington. Most of us do. And, you know, if I see Hunter Biden's name and face again, I'm going to just, I'm going to regurgitate because I'm tired of it. I mean, he's been investigated since, I think, 2017. This laptop, four or five years, this has been going on. Now they find cocaine in the White House, Secret Service discovered a bag of what is believed to be cocaine in the West Wing, and that was uh, Sunday. And it's an area that's accessible to tour groups. So there's a big investigation underway, like they're going to uncover the source of that cocaine. It's probably Hunter's. I don't know that to be true, but I mean, he's staying at the White House, and it doesn't look good. The president has his son, his 57-year-old son. He's act, he acts like he's a teenager. He is, mentally. That's what happens when you start using drugs and drinking and at a young age, you, you you stop maturing at that age that you begin drinking and taking drugs. And obviously, uh, uh, young Hunter is uh, is not mature. He is reckless. He is he's been accused, hasn't been convicted, of course, yet, but he's been accused of felonies. These crimes are serious crimes: gun crimes, uh, tax evasion crimes. You know, I, I was listening to Glenn Beck last week, and he named off seven or eight famous people who have served prison time for the exact same infractions that Hunter Biden is accused of. But will Hunter Biden serve jail time? You can bet not in the, in the near future. Not in the near future. But I want to, before we get under uh, underway here, I want to mention uh, we, we celebrated the 4th in Greenwich. We saw this big fireworks display, and it was about 25 minutes long. And it was beautiful. You know, the rains had, had ended and the skies cleared and the moon was full. It was just a, an absolutely spectacular night. But I think, I'm, I don't want to say it's the last fireworks display I'll go to, because it probably won't be, but I, I don't want to go back to that, to that venue. It was at the Washington County Fairgrounds, hundreds of acres, and there were more people there than there were at a, a Dave Matthews concert at SPAC in Saratoga. I mean, it looked like it, that, that kind of a crowd, tens of thousands 
of people. And you know they're not just from Greenwich and Cambridge and Salem. They're coming up from Saratoga, Albany, probably Vermont. There were just too many people there for me. And I, I looked around at the crowd, and a lot of young families, guys in their 30s and 40s, 20s, teenagers were there. And it's, it's great for young people. The 4th of July celebration, you know, the fireworks displays are great if you're young. But if you're older, once you get in your 60s, as I am, I just don't like the crowds. I don't like battling. We were in a line of traffic leaving this uh, this big field. It's like, I don't know how many acres it is. But we, we didn't move for about 15 or 20 minutes. And I couldn't believe it. It's like, this is, something's wrong here. So I got out of the vehicle and it made my daughter nervous. She was driving. We took her car. And there were five of us, and we enjoyed the show and everything, but it was just, I guess somebody got stuck in a mud hole at the entrance when you, you know, in the exit when you leave, when you come in and leave, and it just, it, it just caused this wicked delay. It's 15 minutes from home where we saw the fireworks display, but it was 45 minutes getting out of there and getting back on the main roads. Anyway, uh, it was fun. But I just, you know, I'm, I think I'm done with it. I just don't like crowds any longer. I just don't want to battle. I don't go to concerts anymore like I used to when I was young. I guess that that's just how it how it happens. As you age, you just you just lose your patience for all this nonsense, and that's what a lot of it is uh, nonsense. But I want to talk a little bit about what we did today. We had a you know, cookout, like millions of Americans cooked out. My brother-in-law, one of my brothers-in-law, brought up uh, pork, and it was uh, seasoned really well. He put it on a, a, a charcoal grill. And we just went to town. Chicken, uh, really good hot dogs, and it was really, really a lot of fun. Pork ribs and barbecue chicken. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And speaking of of meat, because we're meat eaters, all of us here, because we're you know we're conservatives. So conservatives like meat. Liberals. I don't. What do liberals do on on the Fourth of July? Do they cook out? Uh, they they must do something. Probably have veal or lamb or fresh arugula or something. I mean, I can't see them eating pork ribs and hot dogs and chicken. But anyway, uh, beef prices are really going to go up in the next few weeks and months. I'm reading a piece here from uh, Dominic Izo. He says that uh, expect to pay up to three times more than you did just a couple of years ago when domestic supply was plentiful. But now, I guess since 2021, ranchers have been coping with the drought in some parts of the country, in record feed prices, which forced many of them to send their animals for slaughter earlier than usual. So I guess beef prices are up. I can still get uh, 80% lean ground beef at Hannaford for $3.99 a pound, $2.99 sometimes a pound. That's where I get my beef. But according to industry sources familiar with the issue, we're about to see the worst of meat shortages and costs are about to explode here in the States. So, uh, you know, if you like steak, I love steaks. Sirloin steaks, you used to be able to get a sirloin for four ninety nine a pound. I, I don't see them for under seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine a pound. And this, this is perhaps why. So, you know, I, I'll just stop eating steaks. Sirloins, again, they used to be three ninety nine at Hannaford. I haven't seen a sirloin on sale for three ninety nine in ages. And uh, our domestic beef cow herd, I'm reading here, is currently at its smallest size since 1962. The biggest thing, I guess, that looms is uh, looms large in the minds of market analysts is how the recession is going to affect the meatpacking industry. Now, they're not even, they don't even mince words. They're saying we're in a recession or we will be. That's a matter of debate among some of the uh, financial 
experts. They say some say we're going to be we're almost certainly will be in a recession in 2024. Some say it's not going to happen. But anyway, meat is, you know, I, I here's what I say when, when prices are expected to go up on any uh, food or commodity. Just reduce your the, the amount you buy. For an example, bacon. Bacon was sky high a couple of years back, seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine a pound. I wasn't going to pay seven ninety nine for something that fries away. Most of it is gone by the time you get done cooking it. So eventually, bacon prices are back to where they should be four ninety nine, you know, three ninety nine sometimes. Uh, same with eggs. Over the winter, eggs four fifty five dollars a dozen. Just stop buying eggs. The reason they stay high because people pay the high prices. But I don't do that. I have certain cutoff points. For me, like bananas, 59 cents a pound. Once they go higher than 59, I'll, I'll eat another fruit. I won't buy bananas. Bacon, four ninety nine. If it goes higher, I stop eating bacon. And the family's not happy about some of the uh, the limits I put on, on food prices. But I mean, it's in a free market economy, it's the buyer who sets the price, not the seller. So don't pay exorbitant prices for things you know what the what a normal what a, what a fair price is on a given product don't pay a penny more but most americans are going to pay if they want something they're, they're going to buy it car prices my daughter and i uh we went halves on a, on a car for her 2011 it's an older uh chevy equinox she loves it had eighty six thousand miles on it, it was eighty nine hundred dollars we paid for it but now you get the same vehicle for, for probably 79 or 77 but this past winter, when we got the vehicle, the used car prices were just through the roof. I didn't mean to talk so much about that. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about Bobby Kennedy because he's getting a lot of airplay or a lot of uh, FaceTime, I should say. He's getting he's giving interviews to everybody, as I think I mentioned. And uh, I, I looked at a column last week and I, I printed it out. I think it's from a Huffington Post, but I'm not sure. Piece is written by David Moyle or Moy, David Moy, M-O-Y-E. And it's not an opinion piece. It's a straight up column or an article, a news article. Maybe it's maybe it's opinion. If it's in the Huffington Post, it's probably opinion. It's left-wing opinion. But I love reading left-wing publications just to see how the other half lives. And here's the lead, the lead sentence. Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s annoying habit of spreading misinformation extended to his campaign tweets Wednesday. And then he referred to uh, Kennedy as a political Nepo baby, whatever that means. Nepo? He posted and later deleted without explanation a tweet of a woman in a Kennedy 2024 hoodie after people kept asking the photo's country of origin. Although the tweet and the photo were both intended to promote Kennedy Jr. with American voters, many people got skeptical after noticing the pic was actually a photoshopped stock photo that was taken in a country that uses the Cyrillic alphabet. I guess that's Russia, according to Mr. Moy. So now, I, didn't I tell you last week, I think I mentioned this on the, the last podcast, and I think I mentioned it in a column that's up on the BMG network under the PAC perspective. I'm talking about Bobby Kennedy and how he's, his candidacy is, uh, is taking off. He, JFK Jr. is receiving the Trump treatment from the communist left, the, the left-wing media, such as the HuffPo and others. And, you know, I've been thinking about this. Kennedy's biggest sin, other than challenging the veracity of, you know, Dr. Fauci and the CDC's claims on COVID vaccines, he wants to unite the country. And the left cannot have Americans united. That would crimp their plans to have a nation divided and perpetually at war with itself. 
So the left keeps us bickering amongst ourselves over, you know, race, ethnicity, class, uh, income levels, you name it. The left just loves us to, just to see us fighting amongst ourselves. And Kennedy, and I've, I've been paying attention to him uh, a lot lately, and I, I think he would, I think he'd do a good job at uniting the country. Somebody else wrote a piece saying that uh, Trump Kennedy would be a great ticket. And that would be an interesting ticket because Kennedy is not today's Democrat. He is more of a Republican than he is a, or he's a libertarian in some, in some areas. But he's certainly, I know he's a liberal in, in most things, but he, the, today's Democratic Party is a socialist at best, communist at worst. And Kennedy is not there. He's, he's an old-fashioned liberal Democrat. And, you know, he's a patriotic kind of a guy. And he's sensible and he's very bright and he's, he's tougher than nails. His father was really tough. Bobby uh, Sr. went up against Jimmy Hoffa and he didn't flinch. You know, some say Hoffa and the, the mob may have taken out uh, Bobby uh, Sr. Bobby Jr. thinks the CIA did it or, or perhaps took out his uncle, the president. I don't know. I don't want to get into all that, but uh, I think he make he's an interesting candidate and I think he and Trump would be a phenomenal ticket. But I don't think it's going to happen. I just, I think they're both alpha males and I think... Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. All right. Let's see. Uh, you know what I like about Trump? I like so much about him, but I was, I'm reading a book by uh, Ralph Reed. And this book was written right after Trump won in 2016. And a lot of Christians at first opposed Trump's candidacy. He was a former social liberal. He, he supported abortion on demand and and uh, he was occasionally vulgar and had multiple marriages. I think he's on his third marriage. And, uh, you know, the tabloid scandals, whatnot. So it made it impossible for him, according to some Christians, uh, for him to be president. They just couldn't get behind him. Ralph Reed did, to his credit. He saw something in Trump, and he saw the, uh, the, the, the transformation and Trump coming of age and kind of maturing as a Christian. And he won the evangelical vote. Four-fifths of the evangelical vote in 2016 did Trump. He won the Catholic vote as well. A majority of Catholics voted for him in 16. I'm not sure about 2020. But anyway, uh, the book's by Ralph Reed. It's called, if you get a chance to read it, it's a great summer read, For God and Country. All right, uh, that's about all we have time for here, I guess. Uh, I want to keep this program short. It's the 4th of July as I record this. I I just want to share with you, uh, I think it was a tweet my wife received from from one of her uh, friends. It was great. Which I can't remember the exact tweet. I don't have it in front of me. But she said, all the nations fear Trump because they don't fear God. And when you think about it, think about the liberals in our in our midst, the communists, the Marxists, socialists, whatever you want to call them. They despise Trump. They hate him. I don't think hate is too, too strong a word. Why do they hate him? What is it about Trump that makes people see see red? Well, they're already red in my view. Only a cold warrior will understand that. But I mean, and I love the, the, the tweet. My, my wife's friend is absolutely right. They fear Trump because they don't fear God. And somebody else, a friend on Facebook posted this, and I'll leave you with this. And she, I think it was Second Corinthians. I don't know if this is the exact uh, scripture, but it, it, she, she put up on Facebook this friend of mine I, with whom I used to work in radio. Where there is the spirit of God, there is freedom. And we have freedom here in America, those of us who enjoy freedom, because we have the spirit of God in us. Uh, 
We always did as a nation, and we need to return to God. Second Chronicles 7.14, read that scripture. We need to return to the Lord. We need a revival as a nation. And who knows? Whatever happens, I think just draw closer to God. He'll draw, draw closer to you. And that's how I'll leave you on this uh, 4th of July. Thank you very much, folks, for, for tuning us in. I hope your weekend went well. Stay safe and uh, check out all the fine programming we have for you in the BMG Network. This program, The Pac-Man with me, Ted Flint. Uh, we have uh, The Essentials with my daughter, Madeline. The Essentials with Maddie Flint, and what else? The Adrian Ross program, and some other programs up there as, as well, and some fine columns, if I do say so myself, under the PAC perspective. Thanks for tuning us in, and if the good Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac Man podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.